Authors Over 50, Writing in Life's Sweetest Third. Authors Over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication. Writing after 50 is a whole story on its own, so let's skip to Life's Sweetest Third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish. Welcome, I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career and publishing their first book after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today graduated from medical school and completed a residency at Arkansas Children's Hospital. She practiced general pediatrics in central Arkansas for over 20 years. While she loved every moment of it, a serious travel bug, a need to put the voice of her soul onto paper, and a call to give back to the community led her to an early retirement in 2017. Her debut novel, Winter's Reckoning, will be published on August 9, 2022. She continues to write, travel, and serve her fellow citizens. Welcome to Authors Over 50, Adele Holmes. Hi, Julia. Thanks for having me. Adele, our opening question on Authors Over 50 is always, so what took you so long to write your first book? Oh, Well, what took me so long, I did scribble a long time. I scribbled and uh, played, but I think that it was, how long did it take me to get angry enough to write my first book? Now, I know that sounds kind of odd, but whenever the social political environment in our country became so divided, became so hurtful and angry and and we lost so much communication from side to side. First, I got sad. I think I went through all the the stages of grief. I got sad, but eventually I got angry. That last day for me was not acceptance. It was anger. And I took it and put it into the novel I was writing and it turned into a a Southern Gothic, uh, a a social justice diatribe almost. about racial discrimination and women's rights and to some extent education as well. So I think it wasn't wasn't that it took me that long to, to get ready to write it. It was that it took me long enough, that long to get angry enough to write it. So there, there that is, you know. Well, Adele, I've interviewed several doctors who are now writing medical thrillers. I know you do have a healer in your plot, but how did you completely determine the story that you wanted to tell? Well, this is actually the backstory to a medical book. So I was writing a novel in Contemporary Day, um, and it was about maternal mitochondrial inheritance, a pathologist that was working with that. There's a really interesting thing um, that all the DNA in one's body is in the nucleus of your cell, of course, except there is a little bit of DNA 
that passes in the mitochondria and it passes from mother to child. Now, that may seem like it just goes to everyone, but it's a maternal, maternal lineage because your girls and your boys both have your mitochondria that you got from your mother and she from her mother. But only your girls will, will pass that mitochondria on to her children because of the boys, the mother of that child will pass that mitochondria on. So really it only, it only um, codes, that DNA only codes for um, things that are missing. So I did my grand rounds of medical school on inborn errors of metabolism. And that's things that are missing because of DNA inheritance, the, the problems with the DNA. But I had this thought, what if I wrote a novel about something that was actually passed like a gift, some sort of gift or some sort of talent that was passed in a maternal lineage. So I really had started that book and I got so intrigued with the backstory, which is Maddie. In, the, in, my, in my book, Winter's Reckoning is the healer. Uh, she is in this, this line. So that's how I ended up with the medical part of it. It did start out more contemporary medical and then it ended up backstory medical, but it's still herbalist healing. And, and it's not, um, you know, there's some voodoo in there, but it's more other characters that are doing it. Maddie's pretty mainstay with her, with her way of, of medicine, except for that one little touch of magical realism that's in there and kind of surprising. And, you know, maybe it's something that's passed by the maternal mitochondria, who knows, you know, so that's where that came from. Well, I'm fascinated by all of that with the DNA because, you know, I'm an adopted child. And so I, I didn't know what I was passing along to my girls or to my son. So when you talk about that, it's very intriguing to me. It is intriguing. And when you think about it, lineage is more pure. You can trace it by the mother, mother to mother to mother, more so than the father. Not just because you can't all, you know, the mother bears the child. So, you know, who, for sure who the mother is, not just because of that, but now also because of the maternal, uh, the mitochondrial inheritance that goes with it. So that is, it's fascinating to me. So. Well, Adele, once you knew you had to write this book, how did you proceed? Did you search for an agent, decide to choose a hybrid, small press, or did you self-publish? Once I got um, the book, what I thought was done, I started pitching it and it was right before pandemic hit. So I, I, it was 2019 and I was quite sure this book was done. Looking back now, it was probably a very early draft and was not obviously not as well done as it should have been. But I started pitching it to agents. I really wanted an agent. I really wanted to go with a big traditional. And I pitched and I pitched. And I also pitched to some um, very good uh, small publishing houses. And um, then pandemic hit, and it really, really slowed things down. You could no longer go to conferences and meet people face-to-face and do your querying and your pitches and your interviews. So it really slowed things down. But I did still, from um, pandemic hit in March, and in February I had gone to the San Francisco Writers Conference, and I had a few agents that had my book, and two of them that had the full manuscript and, and were looking at it. And one morning, and this is just the way I do everything, I woke up out of the blue and thought, well, of course, 
I know I need to go with She Writes Press. That's obviously what it is. So I got up. It was it was still dark. It was the middle of the winter. So I got up. It was dark. And I got into She Writes. I did everything that day. I sat from daylight to dusk and got it, my whole um, query to them done, turned it in, and within a month got back. Yeah, you're about the last one we're taking. We're closing it down. So I thought, oh, I'm so glad. But they, they took me in. I, I just dropped my queries with everybody else and withdrew them. So I knew that was the right place for me. I don't know how, but it has been. It's been a wonderful place to be. So they and they are a hybrid. Yes, and and very well respected in the industry. Yes, yes. They they won um, 2019 Indie um, Press of the Year, I believe. So you know, and but they they vet all of their novels and and. I got accepted on track one, which meant I could have, I could have gone forward without having to go through their editing process, but I chose to do it anyway and was really glad I did. Well, you talked about uh, being angry and social issues and, and starting out as a contemporary medical. How did all of that um, intertwine and, and what was your actual inspiration for the historical part? You mean for the setting? Why did I use the setting then? Yeah. I had to go back. I had to time it backwards from the first book. So I was kind of put into a historical setting based on the, the book that I was writing at the time, which has not yet come to fruition. So that wasn't so hard. And and the setting didn't necessarily mean anything at the beginning other than it was right before the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu epidemic hit in, in 1918 in the United States. And I knew I didn't want, I, that was just a, a hornet's nest. If I, if I tried to deal with that, it would take over the whole novel. So I chose to have it in 1917, which was right before that happened. Um, but then all of the things just started coming to me as I realized I didn't set out at first for this to be a, a social justice. I set out for this to be an herbalist healer who had this gift, the maternal mitochondrial inheritance thing. But all of the things that I hold so near and dear to my heart, the social justice issues about racial discrimination, women's rights, education, all of the things started coming out and we were seeing that in our world and in our country. And so the more I thought about those, the more I would write about them. I mean, I just, you have to, it's a catharsis, right? You have to get it out of you and onto the page. And I started realizing that that was a time when the KKK was sort of in a nadir. They had been, they had really blossomed initially, and then they had kind of gotten quiet. And this book is written in their quieter time. I'm not saying they ever went away, but it's written in their quieter time just as they started to go back up. So uh, the KKK is used in this in this novel. And even the first attempt that this one that this KKK group made was a very feeble attempt. So that's kind of a, 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 a line that goes with how they really did become more powerful. Um, that and uh, the Tulsa race riots, the Elaine, Elaine, we call it in Arkansas, has to be pronounced Elaine. The Elaine uh, massacre was in the epilogue of the book. That was all in that very time. And those are things that really happened in that time. 
And then, of course, you get into the historical aspects and you get to research the, the uh, linotype machines for the newspapers and you get to research, um, you know, what sort of ways did they travel back in the country in those times? And then go, going back to Boston, how was Boston that time? So there were so many things that came out after I found the setting and I didn't choose the setting because of that. I chose the setting because of the first novel that I wrote, the time, I should say. Did any real people inspire any of your characters? Yeah, yeah. My grandmother is, Maddie is the essence of my grandmother. She was not a medical person, but she did have, and it wasn't, I'm not saying it was mystical, it absolutely was not, but she had a way with animals and with kids and healing and I, it was, I even put this in the book. I mean, I, I actually saw her cast a feral cat's forearm, you know, its front leg. And it, like it knew she was taking care of it. It had broken its leg and she, it, it let her. And of course, me touching it, there's no way it, that was going to happen. She just had this quiet way about her of, uh, of speaking the truth without, without really saying anything, showing me what was the right way to be showing, giving, giving me confidence in myself, you know? So uh, it, it, it basically was based on my grandmother. No historical figures went into it um, other than references to presidents and things like that, but none that are written up in the book. Well, weren't we so blessed to have such strong women as our role models and, yes. and such wonderful grandmothers? Yes, absolutely, because not everybody had that. I'll, I'll put a pitch out there. This is funny in that line. I have a friend, uh, Michelle Martin, who's writing a book called I Was Raised by a Wire Monkey. And she's a, a PhD, and she went back to that, um, that research project that was done with the monkeys, and they were given a monkey that had terry cloth on it, and they were given a monkey that was made out of wire. So one was more nurturing than the other. Um, and the way that the monkeys grew up based on which of the monkeys raised them, the mother monkeys. So I was raised by a wire monkey. We weren't. We were raised by the soft terry cloth monkeys. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> Well, Adele, tell us a little bit more about the book. Give us a little synopsis and then read a few paragraphs so that we can hear your tone and voice in the book. Right. Well, first, I'll show you my beautiful cover. Isn't that pretty? I love that. They, uh, she writes Press did a great job on that. And it is set in 1917. It's a Southern Gothic, meaning it's set in the South. Place is huge for the Southern Gothic. And it also, Southern Gothics have to deal with the grotesque in some way. And in this story, it definitely does. It deals with um, lynching, it deals with some witchcraft and voodoo, um, just some really hard ways that the Southern people become. And also, uh, frequently in Southern Gothics, are the magical realism touches in that center too. So basically, it's set in 1917 in the Southern Appalachians. It's an herbalist healer who is very progressive and, and she fights and struggles against um, a conservative community that becomes increasingly more conservative when um, a pastor, or at least someone who announces himself as their new pastor comes in and fans the fear that these people have into hate. Um, and she finds herself and her uh, she's a, a 
a Caucasian, and she finds herself and her black young apprentice accused of witchcraft and targeted by the KKK. So that's um, that's kind of a nutshell of the of the book, the novel. So, and I'll be happy to read a little bit if you, if, if you want. This is at the very end of the first scene where um, we have we we opened up in the the. Um, in the mercantile, in the general store, and she's brought there because there had been a shooting, and it turned out that the the deputy sheriff had shot himself in the foot. So she cleaned him all up, and she's you know leaving, and, and we pick up after she's done with that. He shut his eyes and wagged his head once. You can read, can't you, Deputy Henry? A bit of Boston Brahmin accent clung to her southern drawl. Of course I can. Of course you can. She smiled at him, batting wide eyes. On her way out, she nodded a closed-lipped good day toward the general direction of the gawkers, most of whom jockeyed for position to get a peek at their sole law officer disabled in the storeroom. Of more interest to Maddie was this naggle-toothed old woman creaking back and forth on the rocker outside, muttering to herself, no forks, all spoons and knives, all spoons and knives in the persimmons this year. Maddie wrapped her woolen cardigan tightly across her chest. Going to be a cold winter, you say? It'll cut like a knife. The old woman squinted toward the sky, like that bone-chilling wind that ushered in the darkness last night. Beautiful, Adele. It really is. You just have us right there in the scene with you. It is kind of dark, but I think it gives hope. It gives hope for us to see what we're doing and gives hope for us to change and not let history repeat itself. That's exactly right. And I think you do an excellent job with that. What challenges have you had along the way? I know you don't publish until next month, but um, what have you been working on as far as publicity and, and maybe what you think is working or, or didn't work? Well, that's kind of hard to say because it hasn't been published yet, but, but as you know, it takes months. You really need to start early, and I did. I got a wonderful publicist, one that I happened to know before and had already decided I wanted to work with her. It's Caitlin Hamilton. And then whenever I came into She Writes, Caitlin was one of the uh, publicists that worked with She Writes. So I was so excited to be able to, to use her. I guess to answer your question is the importance of a social media platform, perhaps. That's not something I was interested in at all, but, but had a couple of years earlier started forming that and started working with it. That can take a lot of time. That takes a huge amount of time just doing your Facebook post and your Instagram post. Um, Caitlin referred me to a, a good social media specialist out of New York, and she's helping me a lot and actually doing a lot of my, my author page posts for me. So that frees up some time. I'm also surprised that I have, and I hate to say this because everyone else seems to be doing it, but I have had no time to continue writing. I write articles that need to be published or I write answers to questions for interviews. But as far as working on my, my next novel, I haven't had a lot of time to work on that. Um, 
I've been amazed at what my publicist has been able to do. She's gotten me um, some good, some wonderful interviews. She's gotten me um, to, to speak at a, at a conference or two that's, that's really fascinating. And I have some good bookstore book signings. Um, she's gotten me published on some blog sites. So I've been really, she's, she's been at it. She'll, she gets up and cracks up up early and I'm answering, doing work for her all day long. So there's a lot more to it than just writing the book. You are correct on that. There really is. Those, those essays that you have to write for all of these online magazines and, yeah. you know, and I've started this podcast and everything takes us away from what writers want to be doing, and that's writing. (laughs) But we need to let people know that we're here. So how else to do that? Yes. And we appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Well, it's my way of paying it forward, as you do in a lot of of areas in your life. So thank you. We, We all have to. We all should want to. You talked about an unpublished work that you are working on when you have time. Can you tell us more about that? Um, well, I have gone both ways, literally. I started in the middle and went both ways on this novel. So I already told you about the last part of it, but I got so fascinated with this book that I started thinking about the backstory of the one I just wrote. So the prequel will be um, about four, four, four mothers. So ancestors, four mothers, but there happened to be four of them doesn't matter that there was or just happened to be goes all the way back to the 1550s in Norway where there in Bergen there were actually um, witch trials a lot of people don't know that but it starts with some witch trials in Norway and then that's a a mother and then it passes on to uh, a few generations down to one in Prague and then one in uh, France and then one in New England again, finishing with the witch trials. And each of these mothers are contributing to this box that Maddie ends up having. And as you know now by my last book, each of these mothers have the mitochondria that's passed down. So it'll be their stories and it'll, it'll go through Maddie that we already know and then forward to the last, last which I can't, you know, can't say a whole lot more about that without giving the whole thing away and then what good would it be? But, but so I do have a prequel that I'm working on. I love that. Do you complete your historical research before you begin writing or do you do that as you go along? I do it mostly as I go along. I do pick up what I know I need. Um, So I'm still working on the first 25%, which is the Bergen part of it, uh, the Norway part of it. I I go back and research the the way people lived and um, things. But I have to do a lot of historical research along the way because I don't know what I'm going to write. I mean, those characters sometimes just do things you don't know that they're going to do, you know. (laughs) And you have to, to really just be open to stop just stop what you're doing and maybe spend a whole day, maybe two or three days figuring out, you know, how, how does the newspaper really work? How did it start? You know, how did they set tight? That sort of thing. So I, I do it both ways. I, I have the overall kind of outline. I figure out what I need to know for that. And then, then I pants it the rest of the way and pick up my, my historical research as need be. Well, Adele, what do you think was the best money you've ever spent as a writer? Ooh, 
think conferences. I have, am a, a self-admitted conference junkie, and I have learned so much at conferences. And my very favorite one is in San Miguel, Mexico. Um, not, not just the, the area, but the history of the place, the history of the art and the writers in that place, but mostly the actual workshops that you get from there, that that place is just top notch. So I think if I had to put money anywhere and will continue to, it will be in, in writers conferences. Well, I've heard so much about that area and the culture there, and I've always wanted to travel to see it for myself. So maybe I can meet you at one of those conferences down there. <laughs> I've been live uh, the last two years. So uh, it'll be February of 2023. Put it on your calendar. Let's okay. go. That sounds great. And a great time to, to go to a warmer climate. <laughs> and it's easy to get to. And it's uh, probably sadly for the area, it's an uh, American and Canadian little artist colony. So, but the people are very warm and inviting and open. So. Well, Adele, our writers over 50 are a very unique set. Do you have any advice for writers 50 and above? Oh, we have so much value. I mean, most of us by now are not doing it to feed ourselves. So take that time, enjoy yourself, and pour everything you have into it because you've got a lot. By the time you're our age, You've learned a lot. You've done a lot. And it's just so rich. Just use, use what you know, what you've been gifted with. I think that's wonderful advice and a great place to end our chat today. And we just wish you so much success with the launch of your first book next month. And we know that you're going to continue to be such a wonderful writer and express yourself, even your anger through your beautiful words. I think, it's done. I think my anger's done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes we wake up and read the news and it comes back. So it's, it's wonderful that you can um, use that as a catalyst for such gorgeous work that you have created. So we appreciate that and look forward to, to more. And we're just happy that now you're one of our authors over 50. Thank you, Julia. I've enjoyed being here today. It's been great. Thank you for joining us today. Please look for Authors Over 50 every Thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50. Please subscribe and share with a friend. And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www.juliadaily, that's D-A-I-L-Y, like dailynewspaper.com. Until next time, keep reading and writing. And remember, it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third.